This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And a good morning to you uh, here on this seventh day of... January first yes. full week. Well, it won't be really until uh, uh, midnight hits, right? Uh, first full week of 2012. Yeah. yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. midnight. But well, I think yeah. today is um is the uh, Christmas the Orthodox Christmas. Oh, I, I guess it is. Uh, it's mostly referred to as the Ukrainian Christmas, yeah. but that. There are there are several other like the Soviet Christmas, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah whole, those that follow the Gregorian calendar, isn't it? Ah, that's very I, I well believe, done. I believe that's it. Considering I just threw that at you, you came up with a good. Well, <laughs> I bowled my way through a, a short form for saying things. If you're uh, correct, uh, yes, we're going to assume you are. Somebody will call yes. and correct us if well, we're wrong. Well, Merry Christmas to those who yeah uh, who are celebrating that today. Calendar, absolutely. Um, uh, by the way, my name's Frank Proctor. I am the sous chef of yes. the garden and the garden goddess yourself is with us, and that would be to, uh, Charlie Dobbin. <laughs> that would be, said, uh, excuse me, what's I, my name? I looked, no, I looked out of my note here. I, I wanted to say hi to Tony Luchasano from TSN. I think I've convinced he and his wife to tune in, and uh, oh. he, he, he apparently, he and his wife are avid gardeners, and I said, well, you've got to listen to our show. No, that's right. Our show. Yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez. Here we go. I get in trouble. Got to listen to Charlie Dobbins' show here on the Of which AM you are the amazing sous chef or undergardener. Yes, thank you very much. Phone numbers for the show, 416-360-0740. That's if you're in Toronto and then anywhere else in the province. Toll free, 1-866-740-4740. So let's uh, get David Gaskin, our producer, busy there and make those calls. Call early, call often. One question per call. Nicely done. Thank you. Good, good, good. All right, a couple things to report upon. Okay. One is, last week I went to the Royal Ontario, or no, yeah, I did, the Royal Ontario Museum. I was going to say, it was the AGO, no, <laughs> ROM, and saw David Hockney's Fresh Flowers exhibit. Oh, yeah, you were telling it's, me about uh, that. It's, yeah, drawings on the iPhone and iPad. Well, I had read about this, and yeah. I thought, eh, that sounds kind of silly, but it was actually really neat. Hmm. Now, I don't want to promote it too much because I think it's all over. <laughs> it was on all through October, you, November, you and December, and uh, it was it was pretty neat. The, the fact that you can do this drawing with a finger, with a piece of bit of software called Sketches, and but so they showed finished and they showed some you know video loops mm-hmm. of it them being created. So yes, indeed, very innovative and. Uh, who would have thought? But lots going on. We're back into the swinging season of horticultural society meetings, etc. Mm-hmm. So get out your calendars. And I've got stuff going on all over the province uh, starting this Tuesday, January the 10th. The Lakefield Horticultural Society will be having a meeting starting at 7.30 p.m. Mm-hmm. They meet at the Marshland Centre in Lakefield. And they've got Kyle Griffin speaking on photography in the garden. 
I guess Kyle Griffin is has been a photographer for the Peterborough Examiner for mm-hmm. years and years. Plus, he's of Griffin Greenhouse is a, a family-run business. So he's there on January 10th at 7.30. More information on how to get there, etc. www.lakefieldhort.org. Uh, also, Tuesday, January 10th, get that frown off your face, the Scarborough Garden and Horticultural <laughs> Society is holding their general meeting and free lecture by Master Gardener Alan Milliken on starting your plants from seeds. All right, now. Right. Good. Oh, you're smiling okay. now. That's better. So starting your plants from seeds is, we're at that time of year, always good to be up on latest and what's going on there. Their location for the meeting is Scarborough Village Community Center on Kingston Road and Markham Road. Everybody's welcome and refreshments are included. The next day, Wednesday, January 11th, 7.30 p.m., the Burlington Hort Society is having their monthly gardening meeting. The speaker for the evening is Robert Pavlis. He's a master gardener. Uh, he's out of Guelph. He's like a very busy guy. He publishes. Just get out of Guelph? Yeah, <laughs> yeah they've just let him oh, out of Guelph. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's actually funny because there is a correctional institute in Guelph. No, he has nothing to do with that. <laughs> okay. I used to live across the street from it. <laughs> Um, the meeting surprise me. I guess not. <laughs> the Burlington Hort Society meeting takes place at the Burlington Senior Center, which is on New Street at Seneca Avenue in Burlington. So for more information, of course, BurlingtonHS.com. The other thing they have happening in Burlington at this meeting is a woman named Heather Mace from the Halton Heritage Networks is going to be on hand to speak about plans, Burling, plans in Burlington yeah. for the commemoration of the War of eighteen twelve. Well, that's kind of, yeah, that's yeah. going to be big. That's big, big this And year, I guess yeah. Burlington was perhaps one of the mm-hmm. sites of the War of eighteen twelve. So lots going on in that. Well, I guess all along the uh, Lake Ontario there. All right, so closer to home here in Toronto, the Riverdale Hort Society is meeting on Wednesday, January the 11th, 7 p.m. They meet at the Frankland Community Centre, which is at 816 Logan Avenue, just south of the Danforth. The topic is tips and tricks to improve your photography, both inside and outside the garden. So we're at that time of year where photos and photography is something people are really focusing on. The speaker for the Riverdale Hort Society is Malcolm Geist. He's the second VP of District 5 of the OHA, Ontario Hort Association. Uh, plus, he's a fabulous photographer of creepy crawly things. And, oh, you'd uh, like that. Oh, absolutely. I yeah, love creepy yeah. crawly things. That's why I like you. I mean, uh, <laughs> the, um, yes. uh, speaking of photography, at Canada Blooms this year, there is a photography competition. So oh, any yeah. avid garden photographers out there or people that want to attend any of these meetings and learn more about garden photography might want to consider entering something into the competition at Canada Blooms. More information, go to canadablooms.com. Okay, you've got a, had a plethora of information plethora. there. Plethora. My Lord, love a duck. <laughs> you know why I was frowning? i got to be honest with you. Yes, why please. I was frowning? Sure. Well, I was, I was, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, what the hell's going on with this weather? You know? Oh, I know. So, but I didn't want to say what the hell. Because, no. You know, can't say that in the air. Of course. You would like, never so say I was that gonna in the air. Say, I was trying to figure out how to do that. And it's, oh, yeah, I remember. It's the old H-E double hockey sticks. <laughs> and that's honest to God what I was thinking. That's, that's what goes through so my mind. frowning trying to remember yeah, that H-E yeah. double H-E hockey sticks. H-E double hockey sticks. But what, but what is the hell going... is going on with the weather? I know. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm missing, you know, doing some shoveling. And it's crazy. Like, it, today, well, it feels a bit like March yeah, or February. Yeah, exactly. It's March. Now, 
Now, is this, is this a concern for gardeners? Uh, we it don't is. get the proper amount of snow or something? It is. Well, particularly if it gets cold. I mean, if we thought it would stay like this yeah. for the next three months, fine. But you know, and I think... Uh, yeah, we're going to get paid I know. It's it's going to hit eventually. We're going to have winter eventually. <laughs> so actually, one of the things I'm doing, I took my Christmas tree out last night, yeah. you know, undecorated it, got it outside. This afternoon, I'm going to cut off all the lower boughs, and then I'm going to use those boughs and put them over top some of my more tender uh, plants oh, very good. Uh, yeah. just to protect them in case we don't get snow and we get a sudden drop in temperature. Those boughs will help just insulate the, the plants from extreme weather conditions. Excellent. Thank you. Well, I see by my little monitor in here that mm. David Gaskin has uh, electronically written on. <laughs> we have a raft of callers that are ready to talk to Charlie Dobbins. So, hey, at uh, 9.12 on a Saturday morning, Frank Proctor asking you to hang tight. We'll be right back. Friends say she's down to earth, and that's usually where you'll find her. Welcome back to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And your sous chef, Frank Proctor, here, uh, welcoming Donna from Flamborough to the lines. Good morning, Donna. Good morning, Frank and Charlie. Merry Christmas. Good morning. You too. Happy New Year. Thank you. Uh, My question is about garden slugs. Mm -hmm. Um, I had an opportunity to do a little bit of um, preparatory cleanup in my garden this past fall, the vegetable garden particularly. Mm -hmm. And when I was raking... um, you know, the weeds and the the foliage and the other stuff up. Uh, as it would come away underneath the dirt, I could see a lot of what I call garden slugs or cutworms. Mm-hmm. The, little, the little white characters that are about an inch long and they look big and fat and milky white, but they got brown heads. Okay, so those are not cutworms. Okay. Nor are they really slugs. Those are actually more commonly referred to as grubs. All right. They are the larvae of... Uh, either the June beetles or European chafers, they are, the the adult form is a beetle, but the larval form is that white, C-shaped, sluggy-looking thing with a brown head. Okay. And f- uh, six little legs up near the head. They eat the roots of any plant. Mm-hmm. That's so, why my garden hasn't done too well. Well, it's unusual to have a lot in a vegetable garden or, or an ornamental garden. Okay. We typically see, well, I guess what happens is normally the eggs are laid in lawns because it's very easy for the adult female beetles to deposit the eggs into the ground where they can access the soil more easily, which is often turf areas. Okay. And they do drop down from something high, like a tree or the edge of your home or even a high fence okay. is where they will come straight down from and deposit the eggs. Once all, and of course the eggs are all laid in one little small area. Once the eggs hatch, there could be, you know, 100 or 200 eggs. Suddenly, 100 or 200 little tiny larvae all start eating. And of course, they start eating outwards, and the small patch becomes larger and larger and larger. And we see that in our lawns when they turn yellow. We don't often see that in our gardens because the roots aren't as densely growing uh, in the ornamental gardens or even the vegetable gardens the way they are in lawns. Usually not a huge concern. Usually they don't do so much damage that they sort of annihilate entire crops or anything like that. Oh, all right. But what you did, that that seeing them, you know, bringing them to the surface is great. You want to do that because when you bring them up to the surface like that, the birds will take them. All right. Or the sun will dry them out. Uh, Now, any that didn't come to the surface in the fall very naturally and normally actually go down deep for the winter. They try to get down below the frost line. What frost line this year, they probably aren't very deep this year because they haven't had to go very deep. But they do typically go down a couple of feet below surface and then come back up in the spring. 
If you're concerned about this in the future, and I can see that Frank's got the solution for the long-term solution, and that is nematodes, nematode eggs, which you will apply to wherever you suspect grub problems, whether it's a, a garden, you know, an edible garden, an ornamental garden, a grassy area, turf area. Nematode eggs in midsummer, usually kind of late July, early August, is right. is when we get on to uh, releasing those eggs, and then the nematodes will uh, will actually kill those little ugly white grubby looking things. So you won't see those in, in September, October. And how is that applied then? You, it's just when you buy it, it's a little piece of sponge, and the eggs are uh, inserted into this sponge. Okay. So follow the instructions, of course, and it's just a watering can, some oh, right. some room temperature temperature water and squeezing of the sponge and then watering with the watering can in the area where you've had a history of grub problems and assuming that you'll have grub problems again because usually you don't see the damage when you apply the the nematode eggs Mm -hmm. but you are suspicious based on past experience. And this is all right to do to a vegetable garden, the vegetables are still edible and that sort of thing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, okay. nematodes are wire worms, they're called. They're not going to uh, at all affect your, your um, food crops at all. Okay. They are not vegetarians. They much, they're much more carnivorous than that. <laughs> Maybe you've just run across uh, you know, a real posh uh, variety of garden slug who would rather eat vegetables than that, you know, just plain old grass. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Let yeah. me near the good stuff. That's right. Maybe. Maybe they're, yeah. they're selective. Selective slugs. <laughs> <laughs> grubs. <laughs> That's it, grubs. Yes. Well, thank you so much. Thank you very much. Okay, Donna, and have yourself a happy new year, too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye now. Uh, 919, almost 920. You know what? We have to take a little bit of a break about here. Uh, But... You know, we have to get back into... We do. You know, the whole exercise thing for the new year. After all... And what do we need to help us... Keep active. Well, I was yes. going to say, all that plum pudding and potato oh. latkes, man, uh, back to the gym, right? Exactly. And, just, and to be do, running on that treadmill and doing it pain-free, we're, both of us are daily taking Sierra Sil. Um, and honestly, Sierra Sil is ideal for adults that suffer from sore joints, aches, or muscle pain. So anybody who's seeking improved comfort in your regular routines or... Uh, maybe even wanting to increase your routine to try and eliminate some of that that holiday fat. Uh, Increased flexibility and mobility can often be achieved by taking Sierra Sil. You will see or you should see something or feel something and feel better within 14 days, which is why the phone number for more information is 1-877-JOINT-14. But if you want to buy Sierra Sil at a local pharmacy or health food store, if you're in the St. Catharines area, the peanut mill has mm-hmm. Sierra Sil. Right. Well, um, yeah. yeah, you know that Nature's Source has five different store locations, in, one in Mississauga, Oakville, Toronto, Coburg, and they have a new store in Maple. So you can pick up Sierra Sil right on the shelf. Righty-ho, and we shall return uh, in just a few moments here on Charlie Dobbins Garden Show. You supply the what and where, and she'll come through with the how. You're listening to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And our gypsy of the garden is uh, trouncing <laughs> around the studio here. Well, actually, no, she's sitting down and being very well-behaved today, which is unusual. Uh, I'm Frank Proctor, uh, the sous chef of the garden, as we say hi to Marita in Guelph. What a pretty name. Marita, good morning. Thank you. Good morning, and Happy New Year to you, too. Thank good morning. You, you too. Yes. My question is, can you bring an azalea back to bloom? 
Oh, I gave one to a friend, uh-huh. and over Christmas yep. it uh, got a little neglected. Oh, yeah. So when I was over at the house, I um, watered it. I was going to say. I cut out it. a couple of the branches that looked really iffy. Mm-hmm. And uh, it seemed to come to life again. Mm-hmm. The leaves were uh, looking pretty good, but I wondered if you can get them to bloom again. Absolutely, yes. Oh, but you're absolutely right about the watering it. Uh, azaleas do not want to dry out. So keeping them moist is important. Okay. Keeping them in a... Well, bl- it was really dried out, so I was really surprised yeah. that it you know, came to life as yeah. well as it did. Yeah, No, no azaleas are pretty forgiving. Uh, oh, and good. they will perk back up, like you say, and, and you are smart to take out anything that's just really brown and wizened and, and doesn't look alive. Um, what The main thing now is keeping it in a sunny location preferably a southern window, mm-hmm. uh, remembering to water every couple of days. When we get sunny weather and that plant is in a, in a window, it will dry down very quickly. They tend to have a lot of roots in those pots, and it's just peat moss that they're planted into. Right. So the, there's not a huge water holding capacity or, or a lot of soil in those pots, and there's very, virtually no nu- nutrient in that soil as well. So a little bit of azalea food, which would be any any one of the well muracid is an example of an azalea food it's a it's a fertilizer that will say you know fertilizer for acid loving plants or it might say fertilizer for azaleas and rhododendrons you would want to get a water soluble varieties that means it's a it'll be a powder that you mix with water and you'll water the azalea every 2 3 weeks with the, the fertilized water and every probably 2 or 3 days with just straight water mm-hmm. uh, and what i would do usually i find i start getting buds now and if if um, it kind of depends when the plant flowered so it was was flowering at christmas well it flowered forever yeah and back it, in um, the summer because i gave it as a birthday oh. present in, in the beginning of July, right, and it flowered right through until oh gosh, I, I believe it was maybe even October. Perfect. Yeah. So if if the fertilizer and the water and the sunshine can be provided for that plant, it's likely to have a whole bunch more flowers on it by March or April of this year. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's great. Yeah. It, the biggest thing I can say is the watering. I find they do like a lot of water, but I've kept azaleas alive for years. Really? Yeah. And of course, I, it's nice to put them outside in the summer. Uh, once we're frost free uh-huh. and when I do that if I take them out for the summer I give them a little haircut or a trim before I go out because they'll burst forth with tons of new growth and get real top heavy so this is after they have flowered well it depends oh yeah of course yeah uh, trimming after they flower yes assume right. there's going to so be some f- I trim it back a little bit more now if you don't see any evidence of buds now and it's looking a little unwieldy or lopsided yes Oh. But look closely on the tips to see if there's any evidence of buds coming. Right, and and the the food it'll say right on the container that it's for azaleas and other. That's right, acid-loving plants. Acid-loving. Yeah, these are plants that like a low pH or an acidic soil. So okay. this fertilizer will have sulfur in it to to help lower the pH. Okay, well, great. Thank you so much. Thank You're you, welcome. Marita. Okay. Goodbye. Have a great weekend. 9.25 our time here. AM 740, Zoomer Radio, Frank and uh, Charlie with you. Or Charlie and Frank. <laughs> maybe that's the billing should be. Yes. Yeah, I get, maybe. i got to be really careful. Just here. maybe. She thinks I'm planning a coup to take over the show. I don't know where I get with, that idea. Well, with all my garden experience, <laughs> you've got to watch out. Uh, Bobby in Scarborough is on the line. Hi, Bobby. Hi, good morning. Happy New Year. And the same Good morning, you, you too. I got a problem with my vegetable garden. Mm. 
I got weeds like you can't believe. Oh. Every year, weeds, weeds, I start pulling them out and everything. I went to a nursery up here in Ellesmere, and a guy said, when your garden is finished, turn it over and spray it with wipeout. He said, you'll get rid of all the weeds. He lied to me. Oh, uh, yeah. They're all, they're all back again. Well, the other reason he might have lied to you is because... If you turn over the garden, see, the way the white, like wipeout is glyphosate, which is Roundup. Mm-hmm. The way that stuff works is it has to contact green growth. So if you turn your garden and you sort of bury all the weeds and then you spray, you don't kill anything because you don't contact anything green to kill. It's mm-hmm. if the roots are surviving, it depends. Do you have any idea what the weeds are? There must be kind of one variety that's. No, I, uh, no, I cut some ones that crawl over my garden. I guess ones that they're, oh, I don't know what they are. You're in Scarborough. Last, last year had, had stuff come out that looked like weed, wheat. It was that high. Huh. You know? Really? And was it tall and grassy like a weed? Yeah, it was about three feet tall. But but like a grass-looking plant, like a wheat, sort of yeah, a corn? Yeah, I got or rid of them, but all the weeds uh, underneath it. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know what the, I said. I told my wife, I'm going to turn this back into grass. Uh, <laughs> but you know what? You might yeah. have trouble with that as well, okay. with the weeds there. You know what I would do um, this spring? Okay, so what did you do? You, fl- you rototilled it last fall or, or just did a... I did rototill it last year. Last spring. Last spring. Oh, yeah. And uh, that's when I think I got more... Somebody says, well, you brought it all up from the bottom. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's true. You can bring the seeds up to the surface, or it could be weeds that all it needs is a little piece of tissue and the plant grows. So when we chop up one weed, sometimes we chop it into 200 weeds. So what I would do if I were you is this. So what does it look like right now? Did you rototill in the fall or turn it over or just leave it alone? In what? In the fall. How did you leave the garden? Yeah. No, my, this year I didn't rototill it. Okay, so what I would do this spring is, uh, as soon as you can get outside, when it's not soggy and, you yeah. know, the, the ground is, well, it doesn't even have to be thawed, it just needs to be not a swampy, soggy situation, get yourself a very a, a tarp uh, or uh, some black plastic, you know, go to your local yeah. Home Depot, whatever, get some black plastic and lay that down on top of the garden, so if there's any weeds standing up, you like get out the lawnmower and mow them down. Get that plastic right down on the surface of the soil, preferably, or right down on top of the weeds. Mm-hmm. Put bricks or rocks or logs or anything around the edges so, or bring soil up over the edges of the black plastic mm-hmm. so there's no sunlight getting below and there's no, you know, the air, the wind isn't lifting the plastic. Yeah. And leave that plastic in place for at least six weeks. From the moment you, well, from the moment things start to thaw. So you might have to have that plastic there right through, you know, March, April, and May. Mm -hmm. Then in June, theoretically, and hopefully if we've had some good sun and some warmth, that sun beating down on the black plastic will have baked all the, the weeds below. That's what you're trying to do. And is everything you, else, too, for that matter. Well, but, the, ins- yeah. the worms and everybody else will all, will all get out from underneath because it'll be too yeah. hot. But you want in a vegetable garden, there's nothing that yeah. you want to survive yeah. the winter typically anyway. So you want to, you'll have killed off like, and literally sterilized the soil by doing that. If that black plastic is in place down tight to the ground and the sun is beating on it, you'll find that um, the heat build up underneath the plastic will kill the weeds. Wow. And then... It's got to be plastic, eh? 
Uh, yeah, you want play? You don't want pa- what were you thinking? Like paper? No. Well, somebody or, said or wood. cardboard on. Well, cardboard works. The problem is, is that you need when you do cardboard. There's little spaces between the cardboard. You yeah, need an awful lot of cardboard. You I could put, do. I put a, one year. I put like a, cloth, a black cloth. Yes. Like a weed and then, and cloth. Begin the summer. I said, "What's this?" The cloth was raising up. The, yeah. <laughs> the weeds grew from below. Yeah, yeah, you got to nail that plastic down. Yeah, it's, plastic. Plastic's better because it will. The heat will build up. See that cloth allows air and moisture to get through and a certain amount of light, and that's how the weeds grow up underneath. Uh, so no, the plastic is going to be the best. That'll really plastic if you can seal that right down on the surface. Leave it like I say, minimum six weeks, maybe eight weeks. Mm-hmm. It, you know, if it's a really bad infestation, and of course, meanwhile, make sure there's no weeds around the edge of the garden that are going to move back in and take advantage oh, of that yeah. space. Hey, let us know, uh, Bobby, sometime, I guess around June, it would yeah. be, uh, how things have gone, if you're going to go that route. Yeah. Okay? Because, I mean, you will be able to plant the garden. You'll just be planting a little yeah. later than you might want to. You'll just have to wait till sort of mid-June to plant instead of mid-May. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Okay, but, but plastic the best to do it. Yeah, plastic, and even if you're going to turn it into lawn, you're going to you should do this before you get some sod and <laughs> put sod down, because otherwise all the weeds are going to grow underneath the sod. Okay. Okay. All right, Bobby. Hey, Have thanks. Thank take, you. Take Happy care of the New folks Year. in Scarborough there for us. Uh, phone numbers for uh, the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin in Toronto, 416-360-0740. Anywhere else in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. I think, you know what um, Bob probably had in his uh, garden, growing in mm-hmm. his vegetable garden, is something called garlic mustard. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, is this the tall... It starts low. The first, yeah. It's a biennial. So the first year, it's just low and green, kind of a heart-shaped leaf with dentate, like little teeth on the edges mm-hmm. of the leaves. Kind of a Kelly green, like a bright right, green. Yeah. Not a bad-looking plant. The next year, though, it flowers, and it shoots up a flower... Thousands of seeds, Uh-oh. thousands of plants. Not good. And really, really oh, slimy. Like you get one <laughs> plant and now you got thousands. And it's it's a real problem in sort of urban Toronto, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's got that going on in his garden. Mm. I've seen it in a lot yeah. of gardens. Yeah. It's hard to eliminate. Well, let's see what the problem might be uh, uh, there existing at Robert's home in Toronto. Uh, good morning, Bob. How are you? Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Good morning, Robert. Morning. I have an aloe vera plant that I can't seem to do anything proper with. I I, I found it. I, I wasn't supposed to water it, and then I uh, switched the pots and put it all new earth. And I I'm, I'm losing this thing. I just don't know what to do with it. I think you probably love it too much. It's it's with my brother's, and he passed away, and I'm trying to save it. Yeah, so. you, but you know what's the best way to keep an aloe vera happy is neglect. Of course, it you to neglect it, you also have to give it lots of sun. Have you got a good sunny window for it to be in? Yeah, now I should tell you there's a there's a heater vent and I and I thought maybe that was doing it, so I moved it further away from the heater vent, which is right by the window. But it's still within the sunlight area of the window. Well, you're right. The vents invariably are right at the window. What I do is I get um, little gizmos at Canadian Tire, wherever, called a vent deflector, yep. and it's a plastic curved yeah. gizmo with magnets and so i use that to deflect the the air to stay along the ground and go past my plants rather than up around my plants and i have a big old aloe vera right in the window now best pot for aloe vera is a clay pot the terracotta clay pots plastic you've got it in plastic now 
Yeah. Okay. So it it it's better in terracotta just because it's much harder to overwater an aloe vera in a in a terracotta clay pot because they are losing moisture not just from the surface but also from the sides, and they do want to be kept very dry. Uh, the only time I water mine is when the leaves start to feel a little bit soft and start to look a little bit puckered and the soil is very, very dry, then I water. And that might be about once every two months or so. And just a little bit of water? No, when I water, I usually water pretty thoroughly. I have a bi- It's a big plant and I'll usually water with a, yeah, three or four cups of water when I do water. But like I say, it's not very often. If okay. you, how, how does the soil on yours feel right now? Is it feel dry? Dry. But the other thing that can help you is a moisture meter, a little probe that will tell you, sure, it's dry on the surface, but will tell you if it's dry down below, because that's the other thing. Sometimes we think that the, the, the pot is really dried right out, but really there's lots of moisture down at the bottom. So just be careful that, you know, even though it's dry on the surface, stick your finger right in, make sure it's super dry, that the leaves are soft and looking a little limp, then you can water. But yeah, if they're, they're looking very limp right now, yeah. But, but keep in mind, when did you do that repotting? Uh, but three months ago. Okay, and has it ever perk up since then, or has it just it started? It did, it did for a while, and then it started to, to go again. Okay, how often have you been watering it? Uh, when I found it, I wasn't supposed to be watering it, very little. Okay. I've actually, I've only watered it once within those three months. Oh, okay, so that's good. So it sounds like it might be due for a good watering, but, but give it a, a thorough watering so that you really saturate the soil and then leave it alone until it dries down again. Okay. Okay, good luck with that. Great time. Thanks. Thanks, Robert. Sounded like we were near an airport and a jet I was just went say, by. <laughs> no, actually, I think he's piloting a jet. Oh, I, that could be it. <laughs> I think he's well. a pilot when he's not a plant person. <laughs> That'd be a neat call to get one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 936 our time here as we say good morning to Val in Scarborough. Good morning, Val. Good morning, Val. Good morning. Um, happy New Year to both of you. Thank, Thank you. you. Um, I have a twister plant, and I brought it in from the garden, and it's dried out. Now, should I water it? Or should I leave it to dry, um, replace it in the garden in the spring, or what? What's a twister plant? Well, I've forgotten the Latin name, but it's called a twister. Hmm. It, it's, it's all twisty. Oh, twister? Yeah. Well, twister. But is it, okay, but is, I'm just trying to, is it one of those grasses with a, that's kind of got, um, called a junco, actually? Uh, what did it look like last yeah, year? Yeah, that's the, word, the name on the, on the tag in the shed. Uh, it's a twister plant. It's a, like a like a grass plant, but mm-hmm. it grows all twisty. Yeah, you know. yeah. it's quite uh, fascinating, actually. But uh, should I water it or should I just leave it to dry and wait uh, in the spring for it to come up from the ground? Okay, so you've brought it in. It's in a pot in your house. Yes, it is. And it was it was dormant when you brought it in, or when you brought it's it in? It's dormant now. It's dry now. Yeah, uh, treat it like it would be outside. Is what I oh, would do. Okay. As far as I know, I mean, I'm, I'll double check that. But as far as I know, that plant is a, a hardy perennial. And yeah, well, it's. Uh, the one outside is still green, would you believe? <laughs> well, but still, hardy perennials, all that means is that it's it's perennial, it's forever and ever, and it's hardy in the sense that it should survive our winters. It should, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, quite often, hardy perennials are evergreens at the same yeah. time, right? They, yeah. Uh, yeah. Though some perennials die right down in the winter, and only the root stays alive. So you, the one outside is green, leave that one alone, but you currently have one inside, you're saying? or yeah. You, yeah. Um, I would leave that alone for another month or so. Okay. Let it let assume it wants to stay dormant, just like everything outside, okay. and uh, be prepared to wake it up in about a month. Okay. And Charlie, uh, Elvis and I have a birthday tomorrow. 
Oh. He's gone on ahead, but we never forget him, do we? <laughs> no that's right. January. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> Thank you very much, dear. Thank right. you for a wonderful program. Thank, oh, my pleasure. Have a great day, and thank you for listening to AM740 Zoomer Radio. As we uh, zip along here uh, to... Yes? I just want to intervene. Is that uh, all right? May uh, I say absolutely. something? Absolutely. No, you go right ahead. Yes, you have my permission. After we were joking that, that Robert was piloting a plane, yeah. I, I'm trying to remember whether... It must have been my other radio show I did. I got a call from a, a bus driver. He oh, was right. driving the bus while he made the call into the garden <laughs> show to ask about... Whatever yeah, yeah. about the garden. I hope he didn't have passengers on board. Yes, he did. Oh my God! It was very Shit. funny. No kidding. Yeah, yeah, it was great. So that's why I just flashed on. That. I was going, oh yeah, that would be good to get a call from a pilot who's piloting a plane. <laughs> I did once get a call from a bus driver who was piloting in a bus. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm trying to discern. Oh yes, okay. Donald, Collingwood, you got a garden mole? What's going on? <laughs> I'm here. Morning. Yeah. Hi. Good morning, folks. You have an outstanding show, and all the best to you in 2000. Well, thank you. Thanks. Now, we're having some trouble with some, some little creatures. Mm. Uh, uh, below the surface, we have a mole who's uh, developing a bit of a pattern of uh, underground uh, pathways or trenches in our lawn. Yeah. And then above, uh, we have a red squirrel who uh, seems to have taken up a residence in our attic. Oh, gee. I wonder if you have any tips. Are <laughs> forced to get rid of these little pests. Oh, that's a that's a big one. First well, thing that came to mind was a shotgun, but yeah, I guess that's not no not allowed. Uh, traps. You're yeah. going to have to probably. Well, I mean, when it comes to the red squirrel, and they are wily little creatures, it's all got to do with blocking how the access point. Now, honestly, you may want to hire a professional to actually set a trap up in the attic. Catch the little guy. Get the. Is get the, just one of them there? Well, it'll soon be more. Yeah. <laughs> That's the problem. We're, at, yeah. we're we're breeding season in the squirrel world, so it could even be a pregnant female. For all you know, they do squirrels do give birth a sort of late winter. So yeah, um, that's right. Usually in February, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so that's the one thing about trying to you know eliminate a squirrel now. If it's got a nest up there, the last thing you want is a bunch of little babies you know not making it because their mother's been. Uh, knocked out of the the picture so i'd be inclined to literally go to an exterminator to help you with that uh because if there is a nest it needs to go out as well and then you have to block the access when it comes to the squirrel because it'll just come right back in or somebody else will just come there's some little hole somewhere that they're they're getting into the attic and they'll chew through make a hole through wood which is always the drag of squirrels they um when they like your house they tend to uh really want to move in what about the mole, though? Yeah. Yeah, the mole. Moles are moles are, are a good thing in a sense that they do eat, uh, like some of the grubs that we yeah. were talking about earlier. Uh, they're, they can be real handy to have around, but they do make those tunnels, and it kills the grass. You can see exactly uh, yeah. where their tunnels are because where they, where they chew through, it's not that they're eating the roots of the grass. It's just that they take the soil out, and then now the roots are exposed below ground right, where yeah. the tunnels are. And, of course, the plants die, which is typically the grass. So... A couple of ways to kill moles. Um, one, of course, again, is is that trapping idea. You can still get... I didn't think this stuff still existed, but there's some... They're called sulfur bombs. You, again, have to find your, your entrances and exits to these tunnels and block off entrances and exits, leaving one open. And then you light this little sulfur bomb when you think the mole is in there and 
put a brick or a rock or something over the hole, and and it's it's a fumigant. It'll actually kill whoever's down in there, uh, and so that's one way to uh, eliminate any little creatures that are under the ground. There's a lot of different sort of anecdotes people have had different experiences with. One we've mentioned on the show before is juicy fruit gum, <laughs> believe it or not. Juicy fruit gum, okay. Yeah, the old chew up a stick, not a chiclet. You know, it's got to be a stick of juicy fruit gum a couple of times and then drop it down if you can find an access point or open up a tunnel, drop it down. The mole will actually be attracted to the sweet juicy fruit, eat it, and die because they can't digest it. Wow. Yeah. yeah, that's weird, huh? Castor oil. I've heard ca- sometimes people use castor oil. That's, they hate the smell of it, and they get the... Yeah, my mom and dad f- tried to kill me with that I was going to say, yeah. they get far away <laughs> when you use castor oil. In Again, wherever the tunnel yeah. is, you have to kind of pour some into the tunnel. So there's a bunch of kind of different ideas there, that some of which might or might not work. Jeez, I, you know I, if it's against the law to kill a red squirrel? No, I don't think so. I mean, I guess it depends how you kill it. Make sure nobody's watching if you're hitting it over the head with a shovel. Right. So people got arrested for doing that in raccoons in Toronto. So as long as you're doing humanely, there's nothing wrong. So on private property, you can protect your property, but you can't cause um, suffering to animals. In, in any... Interestingly enough, Charlie, last year we caught uh, two of the two red squirrels who were also neurotic last year, mm-hmm. and caught one at a time and uh, transported them mm-hmm. about uh, 40 kilometers away. And uh, my wife seems to think that they've come back. Mm-hmm. They yeah. could. They have compasses. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> There's something yeah. about your property they really like. Yeah. Yeah, There's some, is. There's like salmon spawning or something. These squirrels ha- are coming home to roost, I guess. They're, maybe you need to set up a little squirrel house outside for them so they'll just leave your house alone. I mean, sometimes you yeah. can't beat them. You've just got to work with them. Yeah, well, we'll see where it goes. Okay. Okay, good Thanks, luck with Donald. that. Thanks so much. Have a great day up there in Collingwood. Where I hope you've got a bit of snow up there for this year. Well, I think they've made some snow on yeah. the hills. Well, yeah, they can make don't snow. Don't know sure. if there's any snow in town, though. It is 9.43, and we're running a little behind our times here. Yes. It's a good uh, thing we're not a syndicated show. Yeah, we'd be in deep trouble. Exactly. <laughs> but, of course, we'd love to be a syndicated show if anybody <laughs> wants to buy the show. Um, the uh, Sierra Sill. Let's talk for a minute shameless, here about... Shameless plug. <laughs> well, this is a fun show. Well, of course. You know... We'd love a sponsor, and, you know. We sure would. And, you know, there's not a lot of gardening shows out there, particularly with, you know, well, the kind yeah. of talent that you know, <laughs> exactly. sits at this table. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> a little full of herself today, I'd say. I would say. Uh, okay, so active people that want to stay active and are suffering from any kind of stiffness or aches and pains uh, can consider three little tiny pills taken on a daily basis called Sierra Sill completely natural minerals from the Sierra Mountains magically helps reduce inflammation and pain in joints. Uh, now, we're not doing a lot of snow shoveling yet, but you know it's coming. Yep. So you don't want to be hurting. you got to be yeah. able to get out there and do what needs to be done. Soon the golf courses are going to open. Oh, one, yeah. It's going to be one or the other, right? Either golf or, or snow shoveling in the next two months. So, you know, we want to stay active. We want to be pain-free. Consider Sierra So You can purchase it. Obviously, online at sierrasill.ca. You can also get it from a couple of retailers here in Ontario. One is the Big Carrot, right on Danforth Avenue in Toronto. Uh, in Streetsville, Nature's Village, right on Queen Street, carries Sierra Sill. Or give the good people in Vancouver a call. They're standing by at one eight seven seven joint 14 
There are hundreds of sources for tips on gardening, but you need only one. The AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin continues. And Frank Proctor, the sous chef, telling you that we've got a couple of lines open here at 416-360-0740. If you've had trouble getting through in the line, now is a good time to call. And then toll free, uh, it's 1-866-740-4740, anywhere in Ontario. Uh, Mal is on the line from Peterborough, been hanging on there for a bit. Hello, Mal, how are you? Good morning, I'm fine, Frank. Good morning. Good morning, Charlie. Our problem again, is in our lawn, and it is wild strawberries, which seem determined to take over things. Hmm. They're pretty tough little plants. Yeah. They certainly are. Nice. I mean, it's a lovely ground cover. I guess you're preferring lawn instead of strawberries? Well, actually, yes, although you don't have to mow strawberries. <laughs> That's right, and you get the edible part of them? Well, they're not very big. No, they're tiny. They're, they're wild but boy, do they have a lot of taste. But well, we've tried everything from weed killer to vinegar. Yeah. And uh, these things are very determined. Now, the vinegar you used, was it uh, the stuff you use on your French fries, or was it horticultural vinegar? It was uh, stuff on the French fries. Okay, so that's your first mistake. If you're going to use vinegar as a herbicide, which it it can be used as that, it is a um, non-selective herbicide, so it will kill anything green, your grass, your strawberries, little things coming up in the cracks of the sidewalk, uh, any weeds... You must use horticultural vinegar, which is a much stronger percentage of acetic acid than the uh, 3% or 4% vinegar solution that we put on our French fries. Okay. Well, that sounds good. We'll, we can give that a try in the spring. And this has to be on the leaves? Yeah, that's right. You have to contact the leaves. And I find it's most effective when the sun is shining. Yes. Um, you know how we always say, don't spray insecticides uh, or fungicides on a hot, sunny day, particularly at high noon, because you can do damage to the plants? Yes. And that's true. Even soap will cause plants to turn black on, on a hot, sunny day. Well, I find that the vinegar is particularly most effective at killing the plants at high noon on a sunny day. So it's, it's not only effective as, a, as a, the actual acetic acid, but that hot sun beating down on the vinegar, on the plants, they turn yellow right before your very eyes. Well, that sounds... Okay, we'll try that this spring. Yeah, just be careful when you're spraying. Spray what you want to kill. Try to be, you know, use a, a little backdrop, a piece of cardboard or a, you know, rigid piece of plastic so that you're not over-spraying the strawberries and killing some of the grass or garden or whatever's beyond the strawberries. Okay. Okay. Uh, when I heard you uh, suggest uh, black plastic, I thought, oh boy, that's the last resort, I guess, but we're almost to that stage. So we'll sure try that uh, the vinegar in the springtime. Yeah, there's no question the black plastic idea can work as well for you. Uh, and if, of course, there's no uh, sort of long-term residue, you know, the, you know, ending up with that vinegar in the soil, etc. But the, it, if it's a really big patch, it can be a big problem. And it's lawns are always a little trickier because you, you will obviously kill everything, strawberries and lawn, in that situation. But so often we want to be out on our lawns as opposed to making them into a big plastic skating rink, you know. Okay, just, well, we'll try that because it, it's 
really bad in our back lawn, but now it's it's spreading to a lot of our front lawn as well. The other thing to keep in mind is a happy, healthy, thick lawn will not be infested as easily as a thin and sparse and under severe stress kind of lawn. So not only should you be trying to annihilate the the strawberries where they're growing, but really where the, the strawberries are very thin or there are no strawberries yet, Think about doing some real TLC for the lawn. Think about aerating this spring. Think about top dressing, overseeding. You know, just do whatever you can to really help your lawn be as thick and lush as possible, and the strawberries won't be able to have impact. Okay, well, we'll try that. We live in the country, so we're not in a situation where we're, we're uh, able to water our lawn, right. like, you know, possibly some other places. Mm-hmm. So uh, whatever happens you know, happens naturally, more or less. But. Well, of course, but remember there are some, some lawn seeds, grass seeds, that have been selected for uh, drought tolerance. Um, if you look up on the web, do you have access to the Internet? I do. There's something called eco-grass or eco-lawn. I'm just trying to remember. Uh, um, I should uh, we, know this. We have seen that name used uh, in the local uh, farmer's co-op store. Right, for a seed. Yes. Yes, and I believe that's exactly what you want. Okay. Because that is perfect uh, seed for you to be putting down, which will be very tolerant of drought and and able to grow thick and lush. Okay, well, thank you. Okay. Well, keep in touch with us, Val, and let us know how it goes. Well, okay, well, uh, it'll be a few months down the road. Yeah. That's fine. Do that. Okay, <laughs> All right. thanks for your call. Thank you. 9.52 here at AM 740, The Garden Show, the only garden show in Toronto. And Charlie Dobbin will return in just a moment to have a word with uh, Ada in Mississauga. Friends say she's down to earth, and that's usually where you'll find her. Welcome back to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And it's 9.53. We better get along the line here to Mississauga. Ada, how are you? Morning. Good, thanks. Uh, I hope you both are well. Yes, wonderful. I do enjoy your very informative program really a lot. Thank you. (laughs) Anyway, concerning the squirrels, uh, I noticed that I've seen it advertised, and I know people have uh, decoy owls. Mm -hmm. Uh, Our church has one, uh, but one day I noticed that the squirrels in this decoy were just having a party. (laughs) (laughs) Is there any decoy that would work? Uh, Okay, the trick with the decoys, and you're right, there's an owl and it's got these big glassy eyes. Uh, The trick with the decoys is you have to keep moving them because squirrels are not dumb. They pretty (laughs) soon figure out that if that same owl hasn't moved, hasn't blinked in, you know, a month, there's something fishy going on here. And they uh, check it out and realize it's all fake. Oh, I see. So, yeah, they always say if you're going to go the decoy route, you got to move it around at least every 48 hours. you got to turn it, move it. Replace it up, down, mm-hmm. everywhere. You know what we we just hit upon an idea that could make the three of us a millionaires. I'm telling you, you get you know with all the electronics available, you could get these little the, remotes the, the, uh, owls that blink. You know, oh, yeah, just yeah. put a little battery in there and let it blink and then. Or have it move? I was going to say, well, remember your helicopter story yeah. with your sons. We could get owls, make them little rob- little yeah. remote control, and get them to move around that way, play hey, with them. If you can pony up about $50,000 <laughs> to help with the research, that would be much appreciated. And the owl is about the only one that would deter them? Yeah. The squirrels? Yeah. Um, well, you know what, where are, you, where are the squirrels? On, are they on your balcony, or where are they? Well, uh, all over. <laughs> As squirrels are. Yeah, squirrels, sometimes people like to use and think about the cayenne pepper idea. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of that. The um, You could 
you know, when it comes to, say, bulbs and the digging up of bulbs or the moving around of garden plants, you know, bulbs being the big one, you could think about what they do at the White House, and that is they plant 10% more than they actually expect to ever see because they know the squirrels are going to do some modification. Right. They also very specifically do set up a squirrel feeding area Mm -hmm. so that they do put out cracked corn or peanuts. Yeah. So, you know, it's the old, you can't beat them. Do recognize that they're creatures and have a need a little space as well. So I find squirrels will do less damage if you're at least giving them something, some little corner as their own. And we're in a house, so Mm -hmm. we have to be careful. Oh, absolutely. You don't want them getting too friendly. My my nephew, uh, my niece's husband up north in Sundridge, he made a garden for the wildlife and himself. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. Yeah, and you can do that. They finished theirs. They went to his. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing he can do, really. Well, you get up into sundries, a lot of, yeah, it's deer and stuff. It's the fencing. It's all about fencing. But, of course, you can't control squirrels with fences. I mean, they'll fly over anything. But uh, that cayenne pepper... Once they get a taste of it, they're, they're not going to come back, right? It's more of a sniff. Yeah, they don't like the taste or the sniff. So, they, well, they won't come back to that spot. They right. might come to another yes. spot, but they're uh-huh. not going to come to that spot. Um, a dog can be, may it be a wonderful way of, you know, to control varmints, That's cats, right. dogs. My cat has a lot of fun with the squirrels. <laughs> Our cat is note, so you have to watch. They chase each other, actually. They both get a lot of exercise, right. you know, across the yard, back and forth, a cat and a squirrel. <laughs> well, thanks, Ada, and okay. hopefully uh, we've been very much. able to help in some fashion. They can be just a real nuisance, those darn things. I know. Time for one more call. Um, we do have Margaret from Fort Erie. Good morning, Margaret. Welcome to The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Good morning. Morning. Um, my question's concerning my garden outside. Mm-hmm. I'm, my lilacs are in bud. They look they're green, look like they're ready to burst. Mm. And my wallflowers are starting to have little buds on them. I'm wondering, what can I do to protect them for when the winter does hit? Uh, honestly, not a lot. They... Pr- the plants, some of them, you're right, we are going to have some flowering, I think, happen. And that means we won't see those flowers in the spring because they're going to open too soon yeah. and then they're going to freeze. Yeah. Low to the ground plants, you know, like the wallflowers, if you feel like they're coming along too fast, if you, you could do what I'm doing, which is what I mentioned at the beginning of the show, is taking some boughs off of my Christmas tree and laying those over top of some of the low-growing plants just yeah, to provide... Yeah, I trees so I can bright... Yeah, a few of those branches. Exactly, just to provide a little bit of of cover. So keeping them out of the sun, keeping the plants a little bit cooler, but not hopefully extremely cold. If we suddenly drop down to fifteen below with no snow, so trying to temper some of the extremes. The lilac, there's not much you can do. Don't worry that the lilac will will die or anything like that. But you're right, we may lose some flower buds for this coming spring because they may get frosted off. Really, yeah, fattening up. Yeah. No, I know. I bet you there's witch hazel blooming right now. And, yeah, you know, wouldn't... witch hazel typically blooms in, in March, but yeah, it's super me. early. And, you know, we'll start seeing some yellow on the forsythia probably this week just because it's so mild. Yeah. yeah. Poor plants are all confused. I know. <laughs> but the Roses are really ready to come. Yeah, but I, too, I don't think they'll break bud. I think just some of the early spring stuff might break some bud, so that's the worry. But, again, these are tough plants. They're not going to die. It's just going to affect the beauty, the show this spring. Okay, well, thanks very much. Thanks for your call, Margaret. And you too. Thank you, Margaret, from Fort Erie. Boy, we've been all over the map today. I know. Uh, All over the place. (laughs) We're just traveling. Exactly. A delight to uh, welcome all the listeners here. It is. Some uh, great questions. uh, Next week.
Yes, and you, of course, are looking forward to carrying on here after the the boys and the the cars are done. That's right. Dave's (laughs) Corner Garage on the way. They're back from holidays. They all uh, suntanned. I'm super jealous. I'll be uh, back on the air just after the 11 o'clock news with lots of great music for folks. Okay, So you're invited to stick around and have some fun. Of course. I'll be tuning in. Thanks so much, Frank. You are the best sous chef. Well, thanks, bless your heart. Dave. Dave's the best producer. And thanks to all our great callers. Absolutely. Really Some good, good questions. Good morning. questions. Really. So see you all next week. Keep those calls coming. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.